Hello and welcome to What Moves Us, the podcast where we ask, what moves us? Or more accurately, what's going to move us in future? With the Rail Innovation Group's Johanna Randall and Liam Henderson, we look at debates, themes and decisions of the minutes that will impact on the way we get about in the future. Hi Liam, hi Debs. Hello Johanna, hello Liam. Nice to see you Where are we all today? Where are we all today? I'm in London. I'm in Kent, in Rochester. Bonnie, Scotland, the storm's just passed us and blue skies are coming out. <laughs> you do have a Christmas jumper on as well, it seems. I do have a Christmas jumper on, but every day is Christmas. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one know. way of looking at it at the moment. Um, so, the only way, it's the only way to get through day, life. Does that, does that mean that every day you're starting drinking at 10am? <laughs> No, I do have a little bit of professionalism. I leave it until lunchtime. Right. Well, it is 14.26 at the moment. So I'm worried now. That's why you blurred out the background of your Zoom. No, that was me trying to be professional. Right. My Let's background's professional, blurred out and I don't know how I've even done that. So no. that's good. Yeah. Um, so we're recording this on 30th of September, a week after we came back from Berlin. And so we're going to cover our experience at Inner Trans last year, which for last week. Last week. For anyone who is unaware, Inner Trans is the biggest trade fair in the world, I think. Um, happens to be about rail and the rail industry. And it's in Berlin once every two years. So uh, Johanna and I are old hands at it, but Deb, it was your first time. So tell us what you think. It was. I'm an inner trans newbie. Um, I thought it was great. Um, I mean, I obviously wore out three pairs of shoes and my, my feet were bleeding by the end of it. But yeah, it was um, impressive in its scale. I know you had both described to me how big it was, but I still didn't quite appreciate it until I got there. So, um, but yeah, it was just really nice to see the industry together. And I think thought it was really well organized as you would expect I suppose being held in Berlin haven't been to Berlin before so it's really nice to see the city although I didn't see that much of the city but sort of enough of it to know that it's worth going back to that's for sure um but in a trans itself yeah it was just really good to have sort of loads of informal useful conversations with industry colleagues we obviously saw lots of our um rail innovation group members which was lovely and we might have obviously might have just gone out for a few little drinks and things in the evening um (laughs) which was a lot of fun so uh i mean what who can i name check obviously one big circle it's lovely to see emily and her team and particularly as i think and although i can't say that i went around to every single um stand because I think there were about 20 million of them but from what I saw she had an all-female um you know stand basically which I thought was quite good because that's the one thing that struck me which is probably my own sort of stereotype bias is that I kind of expected because it wasn't in the UK for the audience to be much more diverse than it is in usually when you go to rail events in the UK and actually disappointingly it was quite similar to um rail events in the UK in that it was a lot of kind of um there weren't that many women there compared to men and there weren't that many black and minority ethnic um communities there either I think that's quite interesting that observation because not only because we've both made it whilst we were there but I've seen quite a lot of posts making that observation as well Mm -hmm. um on LinkedIn post in a trans and that and yeah 
and I think yeah I've, I've sort of like seen the because I wondered whether it was worse given that this was the first one since the pandemic and I certainly I've noticed in conferences overall that diversity seems to have declined in certain areas because um, because of the impact of the pandemic and the fact that people have moved on and that but but also it did seem particularly pronounced but I saw an interesting post who I can't remember who posted it it might it might have been Daisy from um from Innovate UK um where she made the observation that a lot of the women who were there they weren't even necessarily there on business they were there fulfilling the reception roles and serving the <laughs> tea and coffee Exactly. And, yeah, yeah. Running, running the, running the operational bit of the stand. Yeah. And I, and I thought even that was quite um, uh, an interesting observation because I thought, you know, like you, I thought we'd moved on from that way. You know, there were senior women in business now and in rail and that, but we seem to have taken a backward step. And I just wondered what you thought about that. Yeah, yeah. I think. I, I mean, I agree. Did you? Were you asking me, Johanna? I'm just gonna, I was. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree, and that's I was going to follow up on that point as well because that's what I, that's what I observed, and um, yeah, it's just kind of something that I mean, I did have some interesting conversations with 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 you know lots of people from some of the bigger companies, particularly who had obviously noticed that and noted it, and are actively you know have actively got you know programs in place to try and bring women up through you know, into more senior positions, mentoring schemes, that kind of thing. But, you know, I mean, I had an actual, um, <laughs> Liam and I had a conversation which kind of describes exactly why there aren't as many senior people, women in the industry, I think, which is that we had a conversation with a couple of, a company, which I won't name because it's, you know, it's, it's not necessary. And they were interested in, because I'm a consultant, they were, they were interested in possibly asking me to do a piece of work and I said to Liam, I don't think, I don't know if I've got the right skill set for that. And Liam said, well, don't let that stop you because it wouldn't stop a man saying yes to it. Yes. Which, yes. you know, basically kind of sums up. I mean, I know there's kind of lots of very, you know, clever scientific research being done about all of that. But actually, that's what it boils down to is that I think women are generally much more cautious about over committing you know being able to do the 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 you know being able to have the right skill set specifically for whatever job they're going for and that becomes more pronounced i think the further up the kind of hierarchy you go within a sorry that's my phone um and uh yeah so i think it was just really funny that liam and i actually had that conversation and uh yeah so i think i don't think i was quite as gentle in saying don't let that stop you. I think I was slightly more blunt at what you were doing. Well, I, I didn't want to come, you know, well, go on then, Liam, you just say what you did say. <laughs> Lay it out there for us, yeah? No, no, it was just that. <laughs> I, was just, I basically was telling you off for underselling yourself. I know. But yes, but it's that classic thing of you looked for a reason why you couldn't do it, not just assume you could do it. Exactly. Yeah. But, that, but, but that's interesting in itself, though, if you think of why, you know, there weren't many women there. So... So is that the same? Would you think that that's the same reason why you know that um, that there's more barriers to just the way um, conferences and exhibitions are set up? That they're not set up to to promote women or um, other backgrounds wanting to go, and so it so that's what makes it heavily di um, dominated by um, a single sex, by a single colour, 
um by you know um i mean because the, the other thing as well as so i think was probably a bit different to this time as well to the law to the previous times when i've been um very um very um german this time as well not not such a big international audience as as has been in the past and maybe that's still a hangover from from the pandemic where um well a mixture of the pandemic but also the fact that people are all worried about costs you know not just our personal costs but corporate costs as well i agree with that well the uncertainty is if you think you had to buy a stand let's say 12 months ago given all the uncertainty in the world, would you have committed to buying a stand um, at risk? Because the, the event might not have gone ahead. Equally, you might not have been available to go to it. So if you're worrying about the pennies in your business, mm. whilst it's invaluable to be there for the networking and to show off your company and your brand, you're making a an investment decision 12 months out that you just didn't Yeah, know. and it's quite a leap of faith, as you say, in the current climate, I think um yeah i'd agree with that but I, I just think generally i mean i don't think it's ne- i don't know if it's necessarily to do with the conference i think it's just you know just kind of in relation to you know who you all of those companies would have wanted a kind of handful of senior people within their organization to be there to talk to clients and i just think there's a significant lack of women and other you know diverse diversities in senior people in a lot of big organizations you know um and so that's obviously played out when you go to one of those kind of conferences and i guess there's probably you know i don't know about the actual it's probably a bit like sort of marketing generally where i think it's more i guess it's the marketing departments of most companies that actually get involved in the kind of operational bit of the of you know bringing their stand to that event and i think marketing generally has a higher um has more um, females working in it than men yeah. across a lot of sectors, not just rail. So that kind of so, then highlighted the fact that you've got kind of one set of people doing the kind of operational stuff, and then you've got the actual people talking about business. Who will... So of the conversations you did have, whether they were with German men or very <laughs> few women, uh, did you did you both think it was worthwhile going to Inatrans? Did you have good conversations? What's the latest in industry? Yeah, I thought it was worthwhile. I thought it's really interesting and, you know, good, good conversations. Um, I mean, I do think that there is, you know, I mean, we can't not talk about the sort of uncertainty that there is sort of prevalent in the UK at the moment because, you know, we've had so many ups and downs with government. We've had four different prime ministers over the last six years. We've had, you know, lots of different people in the transport, in the Department for Transport. We've had three different uh, secretaries of state, haven't we? Um, so that has significantly affected kind of confidence generally, I think, you know, what the, what the pipeline of work looks like in the, in the sector generally. Um, I think people are worried about the, the, you know, the fact that the parliamentary process has been sort of stymied a little bit and there's a bit of a backlog of um, bills and things going through Parliament and that's, a, that's becoming a bit of a worry. Obviously now we've got a, quite a serious economic situation um, unfolding this week. So I think that is, you know, that's inevitably, that's going to be sort of playing out with in people's conversations. I mean, there's yeah. been... Um, uh you know it's looking there's a lot of rumors around whether um gbr is going to still be in the bill that's going through at the end of the year which means 
well, I don't know what that means. That means that great, great British Railways as isn't great anymore. Isn't <laughs> anymore. And I've just had some direct experience with that because I was supposed to talk to somebody this morning in the transition team and they've just been told that they're no longer required. So, um, so uh, that's kind of, you know, all of those things. And I'm not, I mean, well, it's difficult not to, for that to sound really political, but I'm not making a political point. It's just, it's extremely unsettling for the industry. And I think that was, I did have quite a lot of conversations about that. And it's unusual because in, 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 in sort of, at that level, usually when you're kind of talking to people, generally they don't, you know, people are quite guarded about what they say about the government and stuff like that. Yeah. rightly so so i think it's interesting that people are becoming frustrated i would say that the uk is going to get behind i would agree with that in terms of the conversations last week it was i think one of you mentioned this too is people you would think people you say who are normally quite guarded were expressing some frustration and it wasn't it wasn't just about party political frustration it was we just don't know what's happening frustration mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, well, I think that's the thing is because when you're, I mean, particularly with, you know, not just for our own members, but also some of the stakeholders that, you know, some of the, the, the larger um, companies that we engage with for, for the group and, and for our members and that is that I don't think really as a business entity, you really care what colour the government is. All you care about is, is the pipeline of work. Yeah. And I think that's what's, you know, because of, you know, delays to the bill, you know, um, because of delay, you know, I think, you know, when, when I mean, because what I think is interesting is I'm like, because Deb, you mentioned, you know, you know, we've had three Secretary of State. Well, it was at Innertrans that um, in 2018 that Chris Grayling was at the, um, at the DIT, um, in the Department for International Trade reception that we also attended where he announced the review into rail. And yeah, and you kind of think four years on. I mean, obviously it's been challenging because of the pandemic, but also you think you know how much further are we on? You know, and if you look at you know, you know, we're talking about inner trans, but if you then you come back and reflect in the UK, I mean, like it's worse. Yeah, you know, and, 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 and that's a reflection. That's a reflection of that lack of, you know, certainty, isn't it? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I mean, if you look at things like, you know, the reviews that the the, gen, the rail review, which looks like it's going to be sort of torn up and started again, the Williams review, God, it seems to me. I mean, I don't know what you think, but so that seems like a, you know, gargantuan waste of time, really. I mean, the Oakview review into HS2, which some, you know, some of the recommendations have already been, in, you know, uh, ditched you know including things like you know there's now we are now not having an hs2 minister which was something i'm pretty sure that was in the okabee re review so um you know there's obviously the eastern leg of that project which has been kind of carved off and there's no real certainty on what, what's going to happen there so there's a lot of um i think there's just a lot of frustration really that we just because all of this means that what you know what what are we delivering you know everyone's in that position where they're thinking well do we just carry on do we wait you know what do we do what do we do so it's, it's interesting that if you i find it it's like this two tale of two industries in the fact that we're sitting with industry people saying we have no idea what's going on it's frustrating we don't know what to invest in and yet if you look at the passenger numbers we're already back up to like 92 93 percent of pre-pandemic demand 
that's only only seems to be growing and very soon we're just going to end up with the same problems we had three years ago of overcrowding mm. um reliability issues and i think the reliability crowding issues, issues. Been an issue. i mean we've got the you know obviously we've got all the strikes which aren't helping people's confidence in being able to travel on the railway so that's a, that's a problem um and you know something's got to give there i mean you know really let's be honest we've got to get around the table and do some negotiating um so that's i mean and i think that is affecting performance and it is affecting people's just people's kind of perception of the railway really which i think is a real shame because it felt like up until you know just before the pandemic we were kind of potentially entering into a, a period where you know, generally people saw the railway as being much more um, appealing, I suppose, to travel for not just for work, but for leisure and that kind of thing. And especially people that are kind of a bit more sustainability minded would be trying to make those decisions based not even on, you know, appropriate routes or e e easiness of travel, but actually thinking, no, I am going to get the train because it's a better thing to do than getting in my car or what have you, or, or even getting a flight. So that's a, I think that's a, I think that is a, a serious issue. I mean, there was quite a damning, I don't know if you saw the Gwyn Topham article in the Guardian yes. this week, which was not a happy read, really. I mean, I know Gwyn Topham is always a bit sort of of a misery guts on the rail, on the railway, <laughs> and particularly uh, uh, seems to hate HS2, but so, there you are. So, um, so for, those, for those that didn't see it, what was in it? Well, it just kind of gave a very sort of down in the mouth picture about rail being in, in a decline, basically, potentially entering into a period of decline. Is that, I mean, is that a fair summary, Liam? Yes. I mean, I think it was, this might happen. Yeah. But I'm internally surprised by most things at the moment. So you never know. Yeah. Yeah, you never know. It wasn't exactly upbeat, you know, about what's what's happening in rail and what could what what that could potentially lead to. I mean, I know that he always drags out Christian Walmart, you know. But um, I have a question then to bring it back to in the trans for both yes. of you, which is that: Do you get the sense that the same trauma is happening in because obviously we're surrounded by the European industries? Do you get the sense that the same trauma or challenges are happening there? And equally, do you get the sense that they, other countries, have a different perception of UK rail from your conversations last week? Um, I got the perception that people are that there's there are. I mean, I didn't speak to that many. I spoke to a couple of um, German colleagues. I don't think I spoke to anyone from any any other European um, countries. But I mean, I get the sense that they think that. that uh, that they have got a more competent government. <laughs> Although, let's be honest, it would be difficult to get a less competent one. Um, oh, did I say that? Um, and, uh, <laughs> but so, so I think there are challenges around, I think I got, I got the sense from the people that I spoke to who are based in Germany that there is a real challenge around investment um, in infrastructure which obviously there is a challenge here as well. There's a, there's a mm. financial challenge. Um, but I did get the sense that, and I, get, I got the sense that they would like to move quicker, um, but I didn't get the sense that they weren't sure about the path they were on. Whereas I do right. get the sense here that we don't seem to have that kind of, I don't know whether it's that, you know, this overarching kind of uh, sense that in the UK, we, we are going to have to invest in rail and 
approach rail as a as a key way to get to net zero, which is what yeah. other countries are, you know, overtly doing. And you know, the French are making decisions around not having domestic aviation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, all those kind of things. They seem more confident in the link between transport and you know transport decarbonisation and climate change getting to net zero whereas I, I don't think we are anything close to that at the moment that was I mean I I was going to make it exactly the same observation is that um that there is more of a there is a greater link between what it means for um for getting to net zero and they look at it as in transport in the whole because if you if you take it away from from the politics of the government and just talk about politics of rail in the UK we talk a lot about the decarbonisation of rail we don't necessarily talk about the decarbonisation of transport we don't make the link between getting people particularly domestically and this is the link for HS2 yeah um, out of air travel and into rail more we don't talk about um, the um, getting people out of car journeys, which could be done by rail if we invested more in more in rail. Um, the one thing that I did, you know, um, that was having a lot of conversation for um, routes that don't have lots of electrification, because obviously um, Europe has a lot more electrification than than the UK or mm -hmm. America or anywhere else. Was that um, I was picking up a lot of um, discussions on what was going to be the technology electric battery or um or hydrogen and yeah. you know on which route, route, route we should be going because i personally and this is a completely personal view is i'm not sold on either i don't think it's the way to go because i think i think it'll be like the diesel cars i think we'll find out in 20 years time that actually it's no better than mm -hmm. having diesel trains or hybrid trains or whatever way you want to call it. Um, that really we should be still looking to invest in electricity because long-term you can power elec electric by hydrogen, solar, wind, you know, whatever, you know, there's, there's more of a, a route to being able to power them sustainably than by, because you still have to deal with the, the, the byproducts of hydrogen and batteries. And everyone seems to have conveniently forgot about the byproducts and what the whole life cycle process is. It's, you know, it's almost like we're, all, we're always trying to solve today's problem rather than actually looking for a sustainable problem you know sustainable solution mm. that will last a long time and that's the difference that I get you know and, you know sort of like going coming back to to your point Debs about about the fact that they're you know in Europe they're making more of that link to you know yeah. that we get green transport by investing more but I, I think did, I had they do have the same challenges yeah, yeah, I had an interesting conversation actually with a Dutch um, woman who was part, who was, she, she was from that the organisation that's like the Dutch equivalent of Young Rail Professionals. I can't yeah. remember her name, and um, she was saying actually that she's not sold on either e either any of that either. But but and and I agree because I think I don't know. We always seem to have this thing where we just want to sort of lurch from one sort of solution to the other. And I, I personally don't think there is any one solution to any of it. It's a bit like renewable energy in itself. You know, there's no. I don't think there's one panacea that's gonna that's gonna solve our energy crisis. It's all about locally appropriate energy production. Do you know what I mean? And I think it's. I think there needs to be a whole mixed bag of approaches. I don't think we right. should be saying, let's all have hydrogen trains and it's going to solve everything. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I just think that's just not feasible or, okay. or you know, or desirable. 
So what so what conversations did you have, Liam, that you thought were interesting? You put me on the spot now. I thought I was asking you questions. Um, what conversations <laughs> I had was interesting. Actually, it was an observation. I didn't see anything. <laughs> it's an observation. Obviously, we had our extremely glamorous Rail Innovation Group body warmers on. Um, I didn't hot. see anything trans. Sorry. Extremely hot. Oh, um, I didn't see anything transformational. Nothing was particularly inspiring for me as this is this is the next big thing, which I was quite surprised about. Um, I walked around sort of the system halls a lot. And so obviously our members, the small companies, um, had great things to show. But I was just surprised that the it was a general, it felt to me like a general, yes, we're back, we're back, let's all get together as rail. It wasn't like this is the future of rail. Yeah, I thought there was nothing sort of like nothing had happened in four years, which obviously could be difficult. But, you know, I sort of because one of the, the highlights from 2018, I remember, was it um, I mean, obviously probably Belarus couldn't come. But um, was it Belarus who had the Sky Train? Oh, um, that was sort of like a personal monorail or something. And that was quite <laughs> exciting. Right. Yeah, I don't remember that. <laughs> I remember the double decker train for the UK market. Um. But yes. So although although uh, having said that, I did really like the trains that are going to be on transport for Wales and Mersey Rail, the new Stadlers. They were quite they were quite nice trains. And I can confirm that the charging points work. Right. But obviously so, nothing innovative. So the but, trains but, are your most exciting thing. Train, train. Actually, why why did I say that? I never get excited <laughs> by trains, but I got excited by a train. <laughs> so I did I did take Deb people on, people a, on the Mersey, what watch out for those new trains coming. They look lovely. Yeah. I took took Deb on a pilgrimage to go and see the section that has toilets for future trains. She was very impressed by. I was, yeah. Some of them <laughs> reminded me of them. Um, I remember in the Great Pottery Throwdown, they were making urinals in one of them. And they were a bit that. like them, some of them, which was quite hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I did go and have a look at the toilets but I don't remember what was what what did you see that was exciting about toilets I did go and have a look but I don't remember anything exciting about them I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't think I remember anything that exciting I mean it was well, quite one was funny because we kept making people go into the seat in, <laughs> inside them and taking photos of them peeping out I think that was the high excitement of it really Johanna I don't think it was the actual toilets that were that exciting i mean i don't know how exciting you can make toilets really this is the trouble you know some things are just best left as they are <laughs> you know what i mean you cannot improve on certain things probably you know shapes of urinals they just are well, the, they are what they are i know but for, for our listeners that have um have been um to japan even on the trains they have different varieties of um toilets to, toilets. to meet the various uses yeah <laughs> They do, yes, actually. You make your point. <laughs> well, then perhaps that makes your point then that you know there was there wasn't enough innovation in a transition. <laughs> Let's hope that in um, twenty twenty uh, when would it be twenty twenty four? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, we're just going to have to go back and check That's... that out. Well, yes. Memorable notes from this year was definitely the green beer at the Infinitive stand, which was interesting. <laughs> Jana, yeah. you apparently liked it, and nobody else did. I do, I do like green beer. I also, but I prefer the red one. But I do, but I do like the green beer. Right. <laughs> um, it's very nice to finally meet the Nomad Digital people, based in Newcastle. So we didn't see yes. them in yeah. person. 
Good. We will have to make a trip up there for a meetup. Yeah, definitely. That, that is definitely the case. Yes. So memorable moment for you, Johanna. Oh, I knew you were going to pick on me first for a memorable moment. Um, I am going to say the reception at the British Embassy because... Oh, okay. I think, um, and and I, I picked I picked it for a variety of reasons because I've never been to the embassy, and I think it was a bit poignant because of inner trans being the week of the Queen's funeral, and the fact that she had opened it in two thousand, and there was pictures all around of, of the Queen and that. So I think there was something emotional there, but I think it was just it was just being there, getting together with people. And also meeting some people that I hadn't met before. So, um, you know, so I met Daisy for the first time from from Innovate UK, because I think I think she must have just taken on the job just as um, the pandemic started and and just really meeting some new people in that. So I think I think that was just I think that was just really lovely to 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 spend time in, in, in that embassy in that week. So I think sort of like that emotional thing, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Help yourself. Well, I quite enjoyed the Siemens drinks reception. <laughs> <laughs> that was good too. Which was unexpectedly sort of rocking at 6pm <laughs> with the DJ. And I like the way that Liam, you kept on sneaking through this. Little, we, we kind of like, we colonised this bit of their stand even though none of us work for Siemens. And um, we just kind of all got into this little bit. And then you kept popping through this little gap with loads more really nice beer and handing it to us. And there was this DJ playing quite, you know, pretty cool music. And um, I just quite enjoyed it. I had some quite good conversations in there and it was quite fun. So I think that's probably one of my highlights because it was quite random you know being listening to it that was, kind of well it was it was trancey dance music it was it was definitely german techno wasn't it yes yeah 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 so it was good i enjoyed it but yeah. i must say my highlight was also that going to the british embassy that was that was good yes i it was nice actually yeah I did was. enjoy that and actually I had good conversations there too yes i, I think, think also so. when you take people slightly out of when you're talking to them on stands people are sort of uh, they're sort of like almost in work mode and they have to be talking about work whereas when you get people at either a drinks or at the embassy or we had dinner with some people are slightly more relaxed and therefore you can find out more about either the product or the development or anything really or just make a better connection when they're not on the stand having to perform yeah which I thought was quite important to have those conversations outside of Yes, I agree. Yeah. So what but was your highlight then, Liam? It was jolly good. I've My got, highlight? I've got two minutes and then I have to go, sorry, because I've got okay. another call at three and I know I was late, so I appreciate I've ruined it. But ruined I've it. Ruined it. Um, what was my highlight? Ooh, boop, 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 boop. For me, I find the, I as I mentioned, it was the stand. I mean, we've got stand drinks and stand parties when you gather at the end of the day because everyone's sort of like absolutely knackered from talking all day. <laughs> but then as soon as they get a beer in the hand, they want to talk again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. About, about actually, being in a trance. That was true, actually, at the Railway Gazette drinks thing on Thursday, on the Thursday, wasn't it? it was my fit. And I probably enjoyed that the most because I actually managed to get a seat because my feet were killing me by then, having been there all week. So I got this really nice little seat. 
And then I just kind of had some good conversations without my feet hurting. So and you sent me across to get you an Aperol spritz from Hitachi. <laughs> yes, I sent you to steal, steal an Aperol spritzer from the Hitachi stand, which you dutifully did, which was very <laughs> impressive. And it has not gone unnoticed, Liam. So, um, yes, good. Very good. Made, that made it for me, yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> lots of big glasses that disappeared into the coffers of railway cassette, probably. So, uh, so, yeah. so for next, so for next time, we've already said that we'd like to see more diversity and more innovation. What else would we like to see more of next time? Mm. Oh, I don't know, really. Just um... I would make a suggestion. Sorry, while Deb is thinking, I would like to implore anyone who is demonstrating next year. Can they please put what they do on their stand somewhere so that as you're walking down the halls, you can actually read what the company does because it was so hard to work out what loads of them did yeah that is true actually yeah yeah what that is mean, true what do you mean because because there was so much engineering focus so you couldn't necessarily work out what their widget did pretty much or there was just <laughs> nothing there there was just them and I was like well I don't want to commit to going off and oh, talking to yeah. you so... <laughs> yeah like give me a hint whether I know it's relevant for me to stop by and talk yeah it must it must be really difficult though because that's the thing about inner trans though isn't it that you've got you know you've got the huge companies like Siemens who were there you know completely out in force you know showing you know German greatness and, and everything about you know what Siemens do and and that you know there's a big multinational on that and then you then you have like one big circle you know a little you know like they've been going for a few years you know they're still on their journey to greatness you know mm. even though they've achieved so much and that it must be really difficult if you if you don't have these huge marketing budgets you know and you don't mm -hmm. have the ideas on how to sell yourself as a stand yeah. And obviously that's the, um, to a certain extent, maybe that's the benefit of being part of a group, you know, either, you know, like being part of, you know, our group, Rail Innovation Group, or, um, or you know, being part of the Rail Industry Association or part of the DIT, that um, you can, that you can um, sort of like benefit from hearing ideas from other people. Yes. Right. Deb, I can see you waving that you must go. So I must go, but can I just say I'd like to see next time before I go, I'd like to see next time in a trans free water. Tap water, yes. Like to pay five euros for a small plastic bottle because I don't want to buy plastic bottles of water, numero one. And two, I don't want to um have to pay five euros for it because it's a downright, you know, daylight robbery. So yeah. I think there should be free water at Inner Trans. Let's start a campaign. Hashtag free water. I think that's, think that's, a, that's definitely a good one. <laughs> right. Writing that down. Thank you, guys. I've got to go because someone's waiting for me at three o'clock for a meeting. But right. Good to chat. Good to see you. Speak to you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of What Moves Us. We hope we moved you. For more episodes, you'll definitely want to subscribe to our channel. Until next time.